Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of the Issues That Matter uh, Greek and Turkish Dialogue podcast series, uh, which is hosted by Elia Mep and funded by the Friedrich Naumann Foundation for Freedom. Uh, this podcast series aims to contribute to a better understanding between the Greek and Turkish public opinion on issues and themes that resonate with a global political agenda. My name is Ioannis Grigoriadis. I am a research fellow and head of the Turkey program at Teliamep. And I am one of the two coordinators of this project together with uh, Dr. A. Lemgenar Taulu. Today, we're going to discuss a very interesting topic, which is food and Greek-Turkish relations. I'm very happy to be joined by two prominent chefs, two women that have started their studies in social sciences, but at some point of their life, they decided to devote themselves to the culinary art, and they have been remarkably successful what they love and what they do. So it is uh, today with us, we are hosting uh, Ms. Stavrianis Zervakaku and Ms. Aileen Yazegiolo. Both of them uh, have worked on food. They are professional chefs, very successful and decorated ones. So we will discuss today the role of food in Greek-Turkish relations. Normally, Greeks and Turks uh, like to debate or quarrel about whether baklava is Greek or Turkish, or whether the coffee is Turkish or Greek. But uh, I do want to stress a point that, uh, at least in my opinion, and of course, I will be very much interested in hearing what our panelists would like to say on this. I would understand that food is less ethnic and more regional. So it is very natural for two peoples who share the same geography, live in the same part of the world, to share and exchange cultural traditions. And of course, food is a very important part of this uh, sort of exchange. So I would like first uh, to give the floor to Stavriani. Stavriani has also had the opportunity to work and live in both Greece and Turkey. So in that respect, her perspective would be very interesting. Uh, how would you distinguish between Greek and Turkish cuisine, Stavriani? Is there a difference at all? Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, first of all, I'm very glad that uh, you know I will participate. Uh, I'm participating right now uh, in this beautiful discussion. Well, um, yes, there are uh, differences, but. Uh, What is most amazing are the similarities that uh, I observed uh, living and cooking in Istanbul for almost 11 years. First of all, the most common thing that uh, I would think first would be the zeytin yalı, the the dishes that uh, has to do like poaching with poaching something in olive oil, uh, and both sides love it. Uh, you will find it at most of like at most of the restaurants uh, in Istanbul, and uh, it's a it's a good uh, start to start from uh, the zeytin yalı thing. Uh, and ask also Eileen uh, about uh, zeytin yalı, which is a very big uh, chapter uh, of, for both cuisines. Exactly. Exactly. If you don't know how to uh, make zeytin yağlı, you can't get married. As simple as this. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, yes, uh, similarities, loads of them. And I, I, I might even say um, it's, it's the same, same cuisine um, spelled different. Uh, dolma des, dolma köfte des. I don't know. Uh, listening to Stavriani. Yeah, also. Yeah. Don't, yeah, don't the words also so, yeah. are so common, which is, uh, it's not, a, it's, it's a rare thing, like, uh, for two different uh, uh, peoples, uh, you know, to share so, uh, to share so, so many common words f- for cooking. Like it's a it's a great uh, example, like uh, Turkey and Greece. I mean, their, their cuisines. Uh, the, the the way I look at it, it's like um, two grandmothers competing uh, for the love of their uh, grandchildren. Who's making the same dish better? You know, because um, you live uh, so close for so long, and uh, the geography, the climate. Uh, the culture is so similar to each other. The um, temperament of people so similar. Um, so you end up preparing similar tables. It's about not only food, but um, how we consume the same food as well. And it is so similar. It's uh, those you know large families with large tables. We love spending time. So. What you serve on that table seems to me uh, at some point less important. It's the same table. Um, you know, <laughs> but is it possible yes, to talk yes. about regional cuisines, for example, Black Sea cuisine versus Crete cuisine or Balkan cuisine, whereby... I would say Aegean cuisine, um, you know, because this is a really uh, great point. I'd love to hear what uh, Stavriani uh, thinks about that. Because uh, in Izmir, the cuisine is so much more different than in Trabzon. But I, w- I would uh, argue that I'd find um, yes. similarities between Athens and Izmir uh, that I couldn't find uh, in another Turkish uh, city, for instance. Yeah, uh, so as I was saying, um, for example, the the Greek, although in Izmir, the the flora, you know, the white greens are exactly the same uh, as you, you know, with the white greens that you can find in Greece, uh, uh, Greeks there wouldn't consume them. They would feed them to the animal uh, because the culture and the lifestyle was so different. They were wealthy. And uh, they would use uh, minced meat and uh, spices, and the influences were so uh, so so different, and uh, especially the their professions. And uh, you know, so the wild greens uh, had not a place on their table, which is very interesting because you know Izmir and the minor Asia. We know that it's very rich. You know, you can find uh, all kind of dandelions and. You know, uh, uh, but uh, this is something really surprising. And uh, when I first uh, heard that from the from the people who used to live there and from sources, from books and stuff, it was really something that I I I wouldn't expect to hear. Actually, Eileen, I don't know if you if if you if you know something about it. It's actually uh, very interesting what what you say uh, because I. You know, this, this reminds me that um, nowadays people are putting so much emphasis on the um, uh, sort of political borders 
defining um, the culture, the cuisine of a country, it shows that it's useless as a definition point. Um, the fact that finding the produce doesn't necessarily mean you would consume it, uh, depending on your uh, wealth, for instance. We, we're talking about class issues here. So um, yes. maybe not the beans, but um, I, I know uh, similar uh, similar ideas about who would consume meat with what and um, one of the interesting uh, sort of ceremonial uh, dishes um, chorbasi, uh, that was quite uh, surprising for me a simple soup with meat in it uh, named uh, wedding soup like why uh, this is a soup but you have meat in it, and this is uh, to celebrate a big event. So um, this shows us yet another, uh, I, I understand, another um, factor in who's eating what, when, and why. <laughs> also, uh, this, this takes us back to fasting periods and different religions in um, both countries, using different uh, produce uh, for different reasons and uh, sometimes sharing uh, similar produce uh, simply because of their um, similar practice of religion sometimes. Since Eileen brought the issue of religion, I would like to yes. ask my next question, which is exactly on how one of the biggest differences between Greeks and Turks, religion, has uh, influenced their food habits and their culinary traditions. So, Stavrini, would you like to go first? Yes, I of course. I, th I think it's a very important uh, factor because some things wouldn't be consumed due to religion, like from the Muslim part of uh, Turkey. For example, they, we, we, we know that they don't eat pork, but interestingly, they consume the integrated uh, seashell, which I know that it's not also allowed. Um, for example, you can see uh, Turks eating uh, midye, uh, mussels, but they wouldn't eat um, snails or pork. But mussels are, are, are doomed as well. S so I think, you know, religion maybe put some obstacles in order to consume like really sinned uh, food like pork, but somehow they, uh, I think uh, they allow to themselves to consume mussels uh, and uh, seafood, uh, which is something that they were not fond of. Uh, if you think that, you know, all the, uh, the role they, they made uh, before they come to um, Asia Minor. So they also uh, brought with them uh, things that as well um, the Greeks there wouldn't uh, know. Uh, for example, we know that the, the lambs and goats came from there. Uh, it's, you know, came to Greece from, from the East. Uh, yogurt as well. Yes, uh, and also before I leave like uh, religion, uh, I just want to mention also the, the influence of the, the, the Arabs and the Persian cuisine uh, that, you know, touched uh, the uh, Ottoman cuisine and then uh, some of the 
some uh, elements uh, were integrated also by the local cuisines of Greece, like cooking with fruit, for example. But I want to go back to religion and ask also Eileen, what does she think about uh, religion and how religion, uh, you know, affected uh, the development of uh, some, uh, you know, kind of uh, I think it's, uh, food. It's, it's quite important because um, it's in that uh, cult- we should, I think, um, concentrate on this topic, on the, the cultural uh, chapter, because thinking about the religious feasts, obviously there are uh, banned products like pork meats for one or the other reason. But religion also shaped the way um, those menus were formed. Uh, say, for instance, during Ramadan, uh, you would uh, fast uh, during the uh, day- daytime. Uh, that would meant uh, during the evening you should be eating this or that. So it goes back to, okay, I need to keep uh, going during the day. What should I eat um, at night? Or you know, quite practical reasons. In in terms of religion, um, there are always explanations, but you also find that it shapes the way people eat. And then comes the feasting uh, days, obviously. What what, uh, was quite uh, amazing for me, um, dishes that we shared, we would, um, when I say we, um, maybe one should uh, not even say Muslim or non-Muslim population, because... Uh, if you're in uh, in a place you find a better lamb, you would opt for lamb. You wouldn't necessarily um, look for anything else. Or if, if you find nice suckling pig, um, that would be fantastic. Because thinking of, the, of a um, proud uh, grandmother point of view, I can understand as a chef, um, what you serve um, to your family is um, your pride. Um, so you would uh, find similarities in uh, those dishes that we um, have for our feasts, um, for the um, what, what we have for um, dishes that we have with lamb. Uh, you can find a very similar uh, way of cooking with uh, suckling pig, for instance. So even there, even when um, we start thinking, okay, but um, there are quite. Uh, rigid boundaries here, you can still find uh, quite interesting parallels. I think that it's also important to uh, raise how the two religions would have their holidays and then they would be, part- uh, like Greeks would participate in the Feast of the Turks and vice versa. And of course, oh, that definitely. would also be happening through uh, food, right? So people would exchange food and they could try to. Definitely feel happier by sharing uh, the goods that they prepare for that very important day for themselves. Oh, yes. Uh, that's one of the big things, I think, um, that we should always remember. Neighbours. I mean, you don't name your neighbour. You know, it's it's Stavriani, it's Aileen, it's their family. Aileen cooks something, bring to Stavriani, and Stavriani uh, returns the uh, plate with what she prepared. A plate would never be returned empty, right? So mm-hmm. uh, comes the Christmas, um, you, 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 you smell the aroma of something and um, your neighbor, this this is, um, it really gives me goosebumps, as they say, um, 
the, the fact that people had this, what we call terbiyah, this education, that whatever uh, aroma goes to your neighbor, they should be tasting that food too. You couldn't just uh, ignore it. So you would bring whatever you cook in your um, home to those people as well. And there was this beautiful traffic. Even I would suggest a little competition who's cooking better than the uh, next one, I, I, I would imagine. Yes. Uh, also, I want to uh, point like the, the, the exchange, the, the exchange, the population exchange that also uh, transferred and uh, planted many uh, new dishes and uh, the use of some ingredients that um, somebody wouldn't have thought of like, uh, you know, picking or foraging to use it and make a wonderful dish such as you know the 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 Muslim of um, of Crete when they left Crete and they, for example, a part of them uh, went to live uh, to, uh, in Antalya, for example, and they had all already uh, seen the Crete the Cretans there to use a goat or a lamb with uh, ascolimbrus, which is. Uh, I cannot remember the Turkish word. I definitely don't know the English word. You know, Eileen, do you remember this, um, uh, the, the, the white roots of oh, the wild yes, green? Yes, oh, yes, yes, uh, yes, yes. That they cook it in Urla and Tire oh, and Ayvalu. Yes. Oh, yes. For example, this is a dish that is, it's almost considered to be like a classical in Antalya and uh, or uh, but actually came from Crete, but it is so integrated and so loved that, you know, when, when even when I go there, I think that it's their dish. And you cannot control the, the way, the, the food, the ideas of using the ingredients also, uh, you know, how from where they left and how they ended up, which is also... Uh, amazing, uh, like using with fruit as well, which was not uh, an, an identical way of cooking of uh, the local cuisines of Greece. But somehow the idea came through uh, Ottoman Empire and uh, before that uh, from Persia, which is also amazing. And maybe even uh, far away, like from India, uh, because we have also words that um, uh, witnesses, you know, proves the, the big journey that a dish or a, a technique uh, did to, you know, uh, land uh, to Turkey or Greece with a new way. So... It's uh, it's amazing and it's very hard to say apart from very very obvious things like wild greens or pork or yogurts the use of them like but apart from that is so mixed up and I think it's instead of um, you know creating boundaries uh, I think it, it's deliberating to think that. Uh, cooking is like a journey uh, that starts from somewhere and ends up somewhere else Beautiful. with new clothes. But Beautiful, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, so speaking you know, about a journey, yeah. 
how can we consider uh, food as a bridge that brings us from one destination to another? We've discussed already how in the late Ottoman uh, years, or maybe in the early Republican years in the case of Istanbul, where Greeks and Turks lived together, uh, food used to be a bridge between the two peoples. How can this happen today in the 21st century? What do you think, Eileen? Um, well, to say um, the contrary would be um, silly, really. I mean, trying to define um, a national identity by its cuisine uh, seems to me very uh, backwarded. It's, it's a joke, obviously, you know, people um, sort of still arguing about is it Greek coffee, Turkish coffee, this and that. And what's really uh, even funnier for me, in Syria they uh, call it Turkish coffee and they put cardamom in it and we never use um, cardamom or any other spices. So um, all, all these ideas, for some reason, uh, seems to me almost childish, but um, the fact that we can um, share one table seems to me really the way forward, because uh, you can never really uh, debate around the table. Good food always brings people together, and we, sh we should really uh, take a lesson and um, start sharing more rather than um, dividing because it's, it's the same table no matter what it's the same climate it's the same culture um, it's like one family dividing the table um, at the end of the day for me thank you very much Stavriani what do you think of this uh, I, I'm sorry, I was thinking about Eileen's, uh, I, I, I what she said about coffee. And uh, there is, a, you know, a quite a sentimental and maybe um, kind of painful, you know, um, explanation why uh, we say Greek coffee, because we haven't been always say, said like Greek coffee. Uh, we used to say Turkish coffee till 1974. Uh Although Arabs, especially around, uh, you know, Arabs who used to live around like Yemen, uh, they they had the the first, you know, uh, uh, intimacy with uh, with coffee. But uh, also in in Greece, uh, it's not my uh, saying. I mean, I, I it's from a source, a historical book that uh, uh, it says that uh, till 1974 they used to say Turkish coffee, but. Uh, until that day, Turkish coffee became Greek coffee, and uh, this is a uh, this is uh, you know this, there is also psych psychology in uh, uh, in food. You you can make like um, analysis uh, as you go to your like shrink and uh, you talk about it, and these are like small dots of pain uh, that you can. Uh, discover and uh, you know see through food or through habits 
Cafenia, for example, like Cavehanes, until the end of 19th century, most of them had like more European and more French uh, style. But, you know, after living with uh, Muslims and Turks, they, they, they changed their uh, attitude and... Uh, you know, coffee also entered uh, the houses, not only the the places that you could uh, drink, uh, you know, coffee. And I'm sorry, I'm, I think I'm talking uh, about other things, but you asked me something else, uh, which is something I do often. I'm so sorry. I, I just, uh, I wanted to say this about coffee and to see another, to show another uh, aspect of uh, you know, uh, how people communicated, but not in a very uh, uh, happy way, like. Yeah, of course. But you think um, that I, I quite agree. Um, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Um, I was, um, I, I just wanted to add that, that it is um, very important what Stabiani was saying. Um, even through um, a simple item like coffee, um, politics can um, force itself in the minds of people. And um, it's not so difficult to divide, as I was saying, it's like a family, it's so similar. And suddenly um, you start seeing um, part of this as the other and um, you, you divide it so easily and you are reminded every day since that um, nasty event, you are reminded every day, 10 times a day, what's happened. So uh, for me, it's, um, it's important to be aware of such things and um, to sort of go against it um, because once... Um, people are divided, no matter which nationality they are. Even the same in, in the same country, the same nation, you can divide them through um, such psychological um, issues. Uh, this is why I was saying um, defining the identity um, through food is very easy, and to manipulate this is very easy too. So normally, when if, if we were to start talking about food, it would be always uh, about something fun and um, great gatherings. And, you know, the, the idea reminds you of um, always of the nice things. But it isn't. It can also become um, loaded with politics easily. Yes, I totally agree. We can even talk about the nationalism uh, in in food, you know. Uh, but we we're not the, that kind of people. We we're trying to build bridges uh, using food and uh, coming to the question that uh, you know, Ioannis, uh, uh, you know, posed. I how it can be. Uh, you know, now the, you know, chefs are, uh, you know, talking to each other. They become friends. They're curious about uh, each other's food. And 
they organize, um, you know, some events. For example, I will come to Istanbul and uh, I will cook uh, with uh, Eileen. She had a great idea uh, one day. Okay, let's cook something under the title of the two edges of Aegean, for example. Uh, or Eileen or other friends, chefs, will come to Greece and, uh, you know, uh, we will you know, put things together and uh, each one of us uh, will cook uh, his or her part and we will find out actually how uh, close we are, uh, how much we love the olive oil and the butter and, you know, the, the vegetables and uh, we have common uh, names about many, like for many foods, for many dishes. So... Um, yes, I think food is a, a peaceful journey and it can turn out like this and t totally brings people together and, you know, taste, uh, taste and flavor and combined with, uh, you know, uh, friendly cooking is uh, a great power, I think. I agree. Yes, it is. I agree. Yes, it is. So this brings me to the concluding question of our podcast. Since we've already talked about one of the quintessential elements of Greek and Turkish cuisine, which is olive oil, right? In the minds of many around the world, olive oil is linked to with healthy eating, right? So how can food and our common culinary tradition can promote a better way of life in Greece and Turkey and beyond? How can we spread this culture and make people aware that this culture is very important and very valuable? Uh, I would start with uh, extra virgin uh, olive oil and uh, the great effects and impacts uh, that has on uh, you know, people's health, um, but apart from that, like it's not just olive oil, we have to know how to pick and um, give awareness of, uh, you know, a good olive oil smells like that and uh, it's gathered by that season and, sh and it shouldn't be very hot or it shouldn't be like this and that. And also the seasonality, you know, you know, eating seasonal, which Mediterranean cuisine, and at the same time, like including like Greek um, local cuisines, the local cuisines of Greece and Turkey as well, they, they used to uh, depend on seasonality, uh, and not anymore. Uh, but it's a very uh, strong card they they have. Uh, you know, during winter we have those uh, things and we make a great zeytinyalı, you know, with uh, these vegetables and, uh, you know, olive oil. Uh, in order to have a he healthy way of eating, we should also um, teach people to go back to what their grandmothers used to do. First of all, um, by not throwing, like not wasting food, um, and also following the season uh, and, you know, the, the treasures and the produce that each region uh, can give. So we are talking about being seasonal, being regional, like local, and 
using Cappadocia, for example, doesn't have uh, olive oil. They have butter, but butter also is good uh, in other ways. I mean, uh, yes, I truly believe in uh, being local and uh, seasonal. Uh, but I think this is what we have, uh, you know, lost uh, the last years because you can find uh, anything uh, in every season. Unfortunately. Uh, yes. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. I live a lot of <laughs> yes. words with yours. Well, um, listening to Sabriani, I was thinking uh, the Mediterranean diet used to be, to, to use a um, modern word for it, used to be very trendy in the 1980s. Scientists from the United States uh, did some uh, studies and uh, either, uh, well, one in Japan as well, I can't remember which islands, but in uh, Crete. And they uh, have seen that people were living a healthier life, longer lives, um, depending on that most olive oil diet, um, but, well, but butter is not bad either. It's just that we are, are used to um, working with um, olive oil because we are. Um, but also less meat, more vegetables, pulses. And um, suddenly, it's about, you know, 50 years later, uh, people remembered that, okay, um, we shouldn't be using um, so much protein, for instance. It's bad for us, it's bad for the uh, uh, planet. And uh, it touches uh, the climate change as well. Be a little bit um, lazy on this side. And we should be promoting our cuisine. Uh, the Mediterranean-style cuisine um, is, has been proven to be the best for human health. And... Uh, Nowadays, people forgot about uh, health issues, but um, trendy words like vegetarianism, veganism uh, gained um, more uh, power, which is not a bad thing. But we should remind people that our um, grandmothers then were cooking vegan food. When we talk about Zetinyal, this is, this is yes. uh, what really amazes me. It is vegan. <laughs> and um, both, both sides of the Aegean, we should be shouting uh, with our uh, own force. Um, we are cooking vegan food, and uh, one shouldn't really uh, look into making um, lab-based protein in uh, you know what, what that, what's in season. Um, what's local, and you have all the proteins that you need uh, from the pulses as well. Unless you're a baby, you don't need to eat all that uh, uh, animal-based protein. And this is uh, basically in our cuisine. Yes, yes. So thank you very much for your participation in today's uh, podcast. I found it very interesting, and I think we touched upon many important issues. Uh, food is so important in every aspect of human life, and we were very lucky today to discuss this with two experts, with Eileen Yazijiolu and Savernisa Rakaku, who gave their unique insights into Greek, Turkish food, 
the interaction between the two food cultures and the strong similarities between themselves as well. So I would like to thank you for listening to our podcast and stay tuned for the remaining episodes of our podcast series. Thank you very much. Thank you.